Welcome to 365 Christian Men, where every day we aim to inspire and encourage with real-life stories about men. January 11th, Chuck Stecker. Chuck is the founder and executive director of A Chosen Generation, a Christ-centered ministry that exists to train up leaders for intergenerational ministry. As an Army Lieutenant Colonel, Chuck served as a leader, including three years on the joint staff in the Pentagon. Combining business experience, 23 years of military service, and more than 13 years of full-time ministry, Chuck delivers a clear strategy to equip, train, empower, and release a whole new generation of leaders. These leaders would develop clear pathways to keep young adults actively connected to their churches and to help them develop into leaders that will impact every area of our society. Today's story begins at a When Men Pray event in Nashville's Ryman Auditorium. A godly man resists the temptation to judge another man's actions. Retired lieutenant colonels do not cry, but if they ever did, it would not be in a huge public event in the Ryman Auditorium. But when the man with the microphone said God would heal men who had never received their father's blessing, Chuck Stecker's stoicism flew out the arched windows. He hadn't seen his father in 12 years. He wasn't sure where or if he was still alive. And Chuck began to bawl like a little kid. It was the When Men Pray conference, and a friend saw Chuck crying. The man hugged Chuck and prayed a father's blessing over him. During the next month, Chuck began to heal gradually, but it was hard to release the poison from years of resentment. Then Chuck traveled for ministry, and he carried a letter with a Wichita address, his father's last known place of residence. On the way home, when Chuck reached Memphis, he had to choose between two routes. One was I-40 through Wichita. Did God really expect him to seek out his biological father? Chuck was in no mood to be spiritual. I'm tired, God, he said. I'm going the shortest route home. Chuck grabbed his Rand McNally map and he counted the mileage twice. Then he took I-40. He turned north on I-35 toward Wichita. Finally, he approached the place where his father lived. Trash and beer cans and needles littered the street in front of the dilapidated apartment building. His father's name was on a mailbox, but when Chuck tugged on the front door, then Chuck went and leaned against his car. What do I do now, God? Just then, a woman appeared and opened the door from the inside. He stood still, kept his hands inside and relaxed, but the woman was clearly frightened. I'll stay right here where I am, ma'am, Chuck said. She gazed at him and then said, you're one of the old man's boys. What was she talking about? I've never been here before, he said. You're one of the old man's boys, she said again. He's told us for years that one of you would come but it's been so long, none of us believed him anymore. She flung open the door, ran back into her apartment, and spoke through a slit in the door. Go to the third apartment on the right, she said. 
Chuck walked down the hallway. Printed on a grimy piece of tape was his father's name. Chuck knocked. He knocked again, but there was no answer. A neighbor then stepped out of her apartment and she banged on Chuck's father's door. Open up, she said. Finally, the door slowly opened and there he was, bowed over like a baboon and wearing only boxers. His father stared at him. Well, I'll be damned, he said. Chuck stepped onto the greasy carpet littered with beer cans. He sat on a broken down chair and huge cockroaches scuttled up the wall. After an awkward visit, Chuck said he would return in the morning and then he made his escape to his car. But in his hotel room that night, Chuck couldn't sleep. He felt God asking him, what control do you have over your father? None, responded Chuck. What control do you have over yourself as a son? Well, that's the one thing I do get to control, Chuck said. But then the Lord said to him, honor your father and your mother. As a boy, Chuck had to be very careful around his father. If you backed him into a corner, he would coil up like a rattlesnake and then strike. Chuck West scripture said, honor your father, unless he's an idiot, a drunk and a jailbird. But it didn't say that. The Holy Spirit repeatedly asked the same questions and whispered, honor your father and mother. The next morning, Chuck returned to his dad's apartment. On hands and knees, on the dirty carpet, Chuck clutched his father's feet and prayed out loud, God, forgive me. I've not been the son I should have been. I've resented my father. I have not honored him. His dad didn't say much. With the promise to stay in touch, Chuck left. And Chuck kept his word. His father installed the phone to make it easier. Chuck realized no one had taught his father how to love. Yet Chuck had held his dad responsible for what he didn't know. Based on his own needs, expectations, and desires, Chuck had judged his father. Three years later, during one of their visits, Chuck's dad began to ask spiritual questions. You have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, have you? Chuck asked him. No, his dad said. If that's why you're here, that's not what I'm going to do either. Dad, Chuck said, heaven and hell are real. I'm not much of a theologian, but I know heaven will be in the presence of God, but hell will be out of God's presence for all eternity. Someday I'll be the family patriarch and I'll make sure your grandchildren know about Jesus. But if I get to heaven and you're not there, it won't be the same without you. There was a long silence. And then his dad broke down and began sobbing. Then he knelt on the exact spot on the carpet where three years before Chuck had knelt. Now they knelt and they cried together. And his dad accepted Jesus Christ. There's a little bit of a Pharisee in all of us, says Chuck. We hold people to the standards we ourselves cannot stand up to. I judged myself by my good intentions and my dad by his actions. God's grace changed Chuck. Then it changed his dad. 
2 Corinthians 5.16 says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. How do you measure yourself? Is it by the same standard you measure others? A godly man resists the temptation to judge another man's actions. Thank you for listening to today's story. Every day of the year, our hope is to inspire you with real-life stories of faithful men who have gone before us. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Join us tomorrow for another story at 365christianmen.com.